0: Hey everyone, this is Sam Bendall, the host of The Reserve Tank, presented by Progressive. I wanted to take a minute to thank all of y'all for subscribing and listening. Uh, This is about to be our 10th episode, so uh, we're about to get in it. But before that, we have an important announcement. We have announced our tour schedule and our venues for the 2021 Progressive IMS Outdoors season. And here is a breakdown of where we're headed. We're coming to the Five Point Amphitheater in Irvine, California, July 9th through 11th. Sonoma Raceway, Sonoma, California, July 16th through 18th. Goberts Farm, Pingree Grove, Illinois, August 20th through 22nd. The Brooklyn Army Terminal, Brooklyn, New York, September 3rd through 5th. Carlisle Fairgrounds, Carlisle, Pennsylvania, September 10th through 12th. Texas Motor Speedway, Fort Worth, Texas, October 1st through 3rd. James L. Ward Agricultural Center in Lebanon, Tennessee, October 8th through 10th. Sun and Fun Campus, Lakeland, Florida, October 15th through the 17th, Georgia International Horse Park, Conyers, Georgia, October 29th through the 31st to round out the entire 21 Tour. Without further ado, everybody, let's get to this episode. Thank you so much for listening and continue to listen. Let's get at it. Welcome back to The Reserve Tank, everyone, where we talk about all things motorcycling. Today, we're joined by my esteemed guest, executive editor for Cycle World, Mr. Justin Dawes, and senior editor for Motorcyclist Magazine, Mr. Adam Wahid. They're sitting down with us to talk today about upcoming trends you can look forward to in the motorcycle industry and for consumers, and where you might want to spend that stimulus check if you haven't already spent it. Justin, Adam, thank you so much for joining us on this Friday late summer, morning, spring edition of the Reserve Tank. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thanks for having us.
1: We're good, Sam. Thanks for having us on uh, your show today.
0: Awesome, man. So jumping right in, this past year has been kind of an unprecedented one with the pandemic bringing about a surprising boom in the motorcycle industry. Everyone was kind of locked in their homes, but that didn't stop everyone from going out and buying motorcycles. So, Justin, I'm going to pose this one to you first. Do you foresee that this industry boost from the pandemic is going to continue even after things kind of go back to a quote unquote normal? I sure hope so. Um,
2: I think there will be some run on, Um, but if I was running a motorcycle company, I wouldn't expect the sales speeds to be breakneck like they are now. I would expect them to, to trail off a little bit, but overall, I really, really hope it does keep going. I mean, more people, bringing more people, telling more people, telling more people, hopefully we can keep that going. I mean, I really want to see that industry grow again. Um, You know, it's had a rebound, but we're still not to 2007, 2008 levels when it was epic, right? Um, So hopefully, you know, with all these people going out, buying bikes for themselves, for their kids, for their significant others, whatever, hopefully a lot of those stick. You know, there'll be some that maybe it's not for them, but I'm really hoping that a lot of people stick with it and they bring more
0: people along with. So we'll see. So, Adam, what do you think would keep that momentum going?
1: Um, probably another round of stimmy checks, some more stimmy, <laughs> I think stimmy will keep her going. <laughs>
0: Use that unemployment money and the stimulus checks properly, buy motorcycles, live your life. I really think that
2: because you can't do anything besides go out outdoors and enjoy yourself, it's opened up a lot of people's eyes to what they can do that, you know, they might not have been outdoors people's before this happened. And hopefully that's opened a lot of people's eyes up to the great outdoors instead of movie theaters, video games, and shopping malls.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, the, the inevitable question too is like, so they bought these bikes. I'm curious to know how many people – who already own motorcycles went out and bought more motorcycles because we all buy more motorcycles. Right? How many of those people are actually new riders and what do we do to keep them kind of in the space?
2: Yeah, um, I actually bought a motorcycle. I haven't owned. This is a, an insane fact. I have not owned a motorcycle since 1996. And Jeez, I bought man. one. Try, I'm you trying got to some, calculate.
0: Sport, sport Dawes
2: yeah yeah. Um, I'm trying to calculate you
0: know, that in time.
2: having a a massive you know uh, selection of motorcycles, whether it be working for a manufacturer or working at magazines, I never felt the need to buy something because I always had the latest and greatest. But I actually bought one this year. So I guess uh, it's never too late for anyone to buy a new motorcycle.
0: Let's talk briefly about that brand new, beautiful ktm you have dawes yeah i i've seen it i know it
2: (laughs) it's uh it's a beaut it's uh we're also doing a project bike uh article on the bike but um yeah man to be honest it was a toss-up between you bikes i was gonna buy it was either gonna be a triumph scrambler 1200 xe or a 790 adventure r and after going to the press launch and just riding a bunch, man, like it's just the perfect bike for what I want to do. It's it's hardcore enough to where I can actually ride single track on it, um, but I can also go to Baja and cover lots of miles with it or, you know, tour around and camp out of it. it. It's so versatile that that's what I had to get. And then, of course, I had to add everything in the world to it.
0: All the farkles, baby. All
2: the sparkles. <laughs> all the performance sparkles. I didn't I didn't put uh any bags on it. I didn't put a bigger wind. Well, I did put a bigger windscreen, I guess. I put a a Rebel uh Rebel X rally front end on it. So it looks like a a KTM rally bike um on the front and then WP Pro suspension components and all the good stuff. So now it's it's just unbelievable. It is ridiculous
0: how good that bike is. Uh yeah, it's uh Fantastic machine! I love adventure motorcycles. You guys both know that. Heed, yeah. what's in your what's in your garage, man?
1: Oh, uh, in my garage, I have personally. I have a 2020 Husqvarna TE 300I. I bought that, you know, during the pandemic as well. And then I've got a 2016 Honda CRF 450R, and then I have a 2015 rmz 450 and then i have a couple jet skis too i have a kawasaki sxr 800 jet ski and a yamaha super jet 701
0: i'm definitely gonna holler at you and go i wanna go jet skiing with you man everyone oh, tells oh, me because
1: it's like- about to start man like i'm already like starting to think and like like the dirt bikes are put, getting put away and the jet ski dust is getting wiped off and it's time to to burn some two-stroke
0: Somebody told me an interesting thing, because like my kryptonite off road on my adventure bike is sand. Like I just it's one of those things. But somebody told me an interesting analogy, which was learn to ride your adventure bike in sand like you would a jet ski. And I was like, who do I know that has a jet ski? And <laughs> lo and behold, the fates have delivered to me Mr. Adam Wahid. <laughs> Become your best friend this summer, bro.
2: Yeah, Adam said it really jet skiing for Adam is what he calls working from home. (laughs) When before the pandemic, if Adam was working from home, he was actually jet skiing.
1: (laughs) I have my computer impregnated into my into my eyeball, and I'm jet skiing and working all at the same time, multitasking in its truest form.
0: Yeah. Little minority report. It's like the, the Django design uh, April Fool's joke that they put out where they can actually put the camera inside of your goggle. Do you guys see that by chance? Yeah. That was a funny it's one. All, it's all coming, man. It's all coming. Can't wait for it. So, boys, I got a question. So, if people got their stimmy check, what should they be buying? Should they be investing in good gear or should they invest in training? Because I think $1,500 could go a long way in either department. Dawes, you first. Man, okay,
2: so the responsible motorcycle rider in me says training. Um, but I would say use it for a rad trip and get some gear for that trip. So, take a trip to go get training. How about that?
0: That's fair. Makes sense. It's a good one. I oh, know, uh, I was going to say <laughs> why can you t- can you top that? One I can't man
1: but you know obviously we all want the latest and greatest but you know investing in yourself and your own skill set and trying to improve you know your own skills just you know just to have a better experience and stay safe you know hospitals are not a place you want to be hospital bills are not something you want to be burdened with and if you can improve your your skill set just so you don't you can mitigate
0: chances of that kind of bad stuff
1: happening that's the way to do
0: it and to all of our listeners too. take this from two guys that know exactly how to ride and know exactly what they're doing right it's not always about or for the gram and creating cool fun content it's investing yourself so you can become a lifelong motorcyclist be smart so you can create that cool content for the gram (laughs)
2: exactly yeah i mean um we've all been there i mean we, we we all started riding some you know, younger than others. But, you know, I did learn the hard way a lot. You know, I crashed a lot when I was a kid and all the way up, you know, through my 20s racing and stuff. But it's so much better not to crash and just enjoy motorcycling. And if you can do that by using someone else's talent to teach you the right way to do it, man, take that advantage. It's so much more fun that way.
0: Yeah, and don't feel pressured to try to learn everything all at once. No, I think motorcycling no. is very much about baby steps.
2: Yeah, and on the other side of it, if you know someone that's learning, don't throw them in the deep end, right? Like baby steps, the same way. And don't don't give new riders a hard time if they're not good at riding, or they are wearing goofy clothes, or you know whatever. Like help them, show them the right way. You know, that's that's one of the most important things I think some of the barrier into motorcycling sometimes is our own selves, like not being friendly enough and not taking people under their wing and showing them the right way to do things. Instead, we just dismiss them and make fun of them.
1: Yeah. It's not a competition. You know, it's just like a frater- fraternity or a brotherhood or a sisterhood where everyone wants to have a good time and, you know, helping your buddy is a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very key message and something I would, I mean, I'm hoping and seeing that more of that is probably becoming a little more commonplace. Um, I do still see a lot of like peacocking and, you know, everything out there. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's in, in different segments. It's, it seems like adventure riding, um, is more inclusive. People are more willing to pull people in and, and, and be friendly. Um, go to a motocross track. That's, Definitely not the case, Um, you know, um, but I think each segment has its own own kind of barriers to to entry in terms of the social element. But um, take a page from maybe the adventure crew or the, you know, the, you know, the, I don't know, vintage bike crew, too. They're totally rad people. They're totally nice to anyone that wants to talk about motorcycles.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they need friends is about as inclusive as it gets realistically. Yeah. yeah, because somebody's got a part or somebody's got a machine that can help you fix whatever it is that just broke down cuz your bike is pretty much held together with bailing wire and spit. Yeah. So, and, and the adven- that, and the event
1: What's that? Folks that that are like part of that Arma organization, you know, oh, the yeah. racing like those folks are just die hard. Like they just they love it. Like that is a community like no other in motorcycling they're just they're just so like you know salt of the earth into it you know it's just it's really cool to see
0: i found that i found that very much approachable in the sense that like i've been doing more track days with uh brady walker and classic track day and all the guys are like 60 plus years old armor racers they're riding like 500 singles with drum brakes
1: yeah big white moustaches
0: and but they're cool as hell man they always got some weird tool that can help me even fix my modern bike and they're really rad, and the and and it's a very good point that you make, Dawes, about the uh, the adventure community. I think it's like like I can relate to it because like when you're 35 plus years old, it's hard to pick up a 500 pound motorcycle, man.
1: Yeah, you, you need, need that help. help.
0: Yeah, you need I you mean, gotta I help. I pulled my uh, I pulled my my uh, my interco I'll make it simple. My, my rib muscle, my intercostal muscle, the other day picking up my tiger because it dropped at a stop. I'll send you guys the video it's hilarious um, and awesome. these two guys were cool you know one guy comes up on a super adventure and another guy comes up on a v-strom and they're like oh bro are you okay and I'm like I'm good but the bikes on like this weird negative angle and I just I couldn't get it up and I got video it's it's funny it's funny cool. stuff um, but like trying to get it up myself I was just like I couldn't get leverage and I couldn't push it up I was like this sucks if it was flat cool but it's like you know every what? adventure bike's nightmare.
2: If you if you go to a adventure bike training class, they'll teach you
1: how to pick your bike up.
0: No, d- does come <laughs> on, man. So, <laughs> I tried. Other
1: people can I learn can learn training, not Sam. No,
0: <laughs> oh, man. I just send it, bro. All. <laughs> uh, no, I tried. I tried the. I tried the. You know, the sit down on the saddle backwards and mm-hmm. push it up with your legs technique. That didn't work because I was in a in like a gulch so my I was even me as being as tall as I am standing in the gulch I was still shorter than where the bike was laying okay I tried pulling the rear wheel like dragging the motorcycle back out of it but the the handlebar was like dug into the soft grass I tried moving the front wheel the tires weren't touching the ground it was I was just sitting there like after I had put in my effort I thought I'm on a road somebody's gonna come by I'm just gonna chill out like patience don't rush. Um, let's talk about something other than my stupidity, because that's, 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 that could go on forever boys. Um, let's talk about, I can't, I think, you know, the big, the big bike in the room, uh, this year, which is the Harley Pan America. Uh, Mm, it's been talked to, to death, I think. Um, and I think everyone's just at this point, really excited to just get on it. Right. Because you can speculate, you can talk, but until we can all ride it, like, that's where it's going to prove its muster. Um, how do you guys think, though, this is going to help bolster the ADV space?
2: It, it, it's there's going to be an ADV bike in the most amount of dealerships possible. I mean, Harley Davidson dealership network is massive. So right there, um, there's going to be a new segment of motorcycles sitting in a Harley dealership, and there's going to be lots of people going through that are going to see it and. The, that will pique some interest for some people. So um, I think it's a good thing for um, the adventure segment, for sure. I mean, it's already, like, one of the fastest-growing segments that we have, but, you know, and obviously Harley foresaw that, and that's why they're jumping in now. Um, so I think it's a good thing, and I can't wait to ride it soon, very
0: soon. What about you, Heed?
1: Yeah, I think more competition is always good in the segment. You know, we can never have enough selection and choices as a motorcycle rider. So, you know, being part of that inclusive mindset, you know, the more the merrier.
0: Are you guys uh, scheduled at all to go get it? I am.
2: I I will be riding it at the press launch. Can't say where or when, Um, but soon um and i'm completely holding any sort of judgment or thoughts about it until then in terms of um i want to show with my mind completely blank of any preconceived notions of the bike and just see what it does and then report on it that's what we're supposed to do
0: yep and both you boys have ridden every adventure bike in the class right all Mm -hmm. the big bores and the uh weights, right yes yep yeah, I think so. I think I've probably ridden all of them. So that's a, that'll, that'll lead me into my next question, because it's like there's, there's the big bore ADV bikes, which I think are fantastic and very, very capable in the dirt, but really great for the road because of that performance and power perspective. But I love middleweight motorcycles. Um, I think it's why I gravitate toward the Tiger um, and the KTM 890. Uh, do you guys see OEMs embracing middleweight motorcycles a little bit more?
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, it's funny that the the term middleweight, like it constantly slides and shifts. Yeah. From in a, in the displacement kind of of term, right? Like middleweight used to be like five hundred CCs, and mm-hmm. then even when talking about adventure bikes, like just a couple of years ago, middleweight was really like a thousand CCs. Right now, it's kind of dropping back down to the seven, eight, nine hundred CC range. Um, But, I mean, in in all aspects, everyone seems to be coming out with a parallel twin, right, that is based at doing multiple platforms and being super capable and powerful and fun and torquey and tunable for what you want to do. I think it just makes sense. They're easier to handle. Um, And I think the idea of I need to have the fastest, most powerful has kind of dropped off. And now people just want to have fun.
0: Heed, which do you think is the best in the middleweight class right now? Uh, A company that's really doing it well or doing it right?
1: Well, I mean, they're all, there's only a couple, there's only a handful, really. But I guess, you know, KTM obviously owns it with the hardcore dudes. You know, Yamaha does a real good job with just the, you know, hardcore budget, you know, easy style and then you know BMW offers offers their premium GS experience you know maybe not quite as capable but definitely you know looks like a GS feels like a GS has the price of a GS so you know i think everyone's kind of got their own little niche i wouldn't say anyone's really doing it better or worse than anyone else they all just have their own niches and it just depends on the type of rider you are and the, you know, what you're, what kind of terrain or what what kind of experience you're, you're going after.
0: Yeah. I've always kind of maintained this thing, especially since I've kind of came into the motorcycle industry almost about 10 years ago. And then really in the last four to five, I'm just like, this really feels like the golden era or the platinum era of motorcycling. Like there's so many good bikes. It's hard to buy a bad motorcycle. Yeah, It, it really is.
2: It really is really hard like it makes our jobs hard as editors in a way because you know we get to ride all these bikes and like you said there's hardly ever an actual terrible motorcycle these days so you go ride one at a press launch and you're like it does this great this great you know and, and you come away with a positive impression of most motorcycles not always but i would say 95 percent of the time And then you have to write this art you write your article and your review and you always get criticism of like well obviously you say every motorcycle is good like you're getting to ride a new motorcycle but it really is true that the motorcycle buyer right now is spoiled for choice there are so many good motorcycles and the ability of manufacturers to test and tune and create motorcycles has never been in a level it is right now it's unbelievable
0: yeah there's this uh I can't remember. It's like an old TED talk I watched or something. It's called the paradox of choice. Right? If you're giving too many options to choose from, it can actually be harder. Mm-hmm. To I think I saw that. One. What's that? Yeah, it's like it's harder to make a decision. One. Yeah. And it's it's harder to make a decision, but you know, that's kind of I think maybe that's I think I've seen that, or maybe you guys have seen this. Like there 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 are there are OEMs that are kind of streamlining a little bit of the platforms. You know, like say Yamaha is doing something very similar, right? They're um, like with the with the CP2 engine. It's, you know, mm-hmm. that's in the XSR 700, that's in the FZ 07, I'm sorry, MT 07, old old thinking, um, yeah. the, and the Tenere 700. Yeah. So they're using like a very solid power plant or base to kind of create a scope of bikes. So they're not, you know, um, too different uh, or they can be approachable. Um, whatever. I digress. Let's move on to some yeah. listener questions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Talk about, I mean, we could literally sit here all day and talk about bikes it's, we all so know we a little do. too much. It's our job. So, <laughs> <That's all. laughs> uh, so we have a listener question. One of our listener questions is from B Bowles, uh, AZ. Do you, when do you guys think Adam? I'm going to go this one with you first, right? When do you think electric bikes will be at a price and weight competitive on 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 par with like say, uh, internal combustion engine motorcycles?
1: Mm, that's obviously that's a hard you know question to answer really just all comes down to, you know, charging and the charging network. And it's kind of crazy right now because every all the electric bike, not all of them, well, yeah, all of them, all the electric bike manufacturers are just, there's no real, yeah, we have like level two charging, kind of the standard, but then it kind of isn't for some other, you know, OEs. So until I think that whole network gets more dialed in, you know, as far as like, this is the standard, you know, we have level two everywhere, you know, you can install level two in your house really easy for no money, blah, 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 blah. Until that happens, it's gonna be really tough for that to be accepted, I think. You know, it's kind of like the same with the automotive industry, realistically, you know, until charging is super fast and super convenient, it this they'll never really make any headway. But then once nice. charging is super fast and super convenient, you know, even if the vehicle is The same price as a, you know, internal combustion engine vehicle, people are going to probably want to gravitate toward that EV, you know, I think.
2: Dawes? Yeah, I kind of agree with Adam. Um, But I think there's still going to be, it's going to be a while. One, the packaging is, like you said, is so much more difficult for a motorcycle than it is a car. Like a car, you can build a, a skateboard, chassis is what they're calling them, with all the batteries down below. And you have tons of real estate to work with. On a motorcycle, you don't. So um, battery capacity and charging is massive hurdles. Um, Once they get that figured out, obviously, and then the charging network, sure, it'll increase. But I think it's going to be a long time till the majority of motorcycles are electric over internal combustion. Culturally, it's going to be very difficult, right? A car is a conveyance for a lot of people. They don't care if they're driving a Toyota, a Honda, or a Hyundai, or a Ford. They just want it to – they want the good price. They want it to look nice, and they want it to go as far as they need to go, and that's it, right? Where um, motorcycling is a little bit more personal-able, personal and a little bit more of a culture, and some of that culture is just not ready for – electric right now. They still like the noise and the smells and the shaking, and <laughs> the, you know, all those things that the vibration that motorcycling yeah. forever, um, the motorcycling forever. The culture is not completely ready to give that up. And I think it's going to be a long time till it is until, you know, electric motorcycles are the clear, clear choice.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. Like, I mean, I've been on a handful of electric motorcycles. They're rad. I mean there's oh, so like the, Yeah. They're but it's like, but there's this, there's a very visceral component to internal combustion engine motorcycles and like the the control you have. Like, you know, nobody, nobody drives a stick shift in a car anymore. You can't. Exactly. Ride, I mean, you could write you could ride a DCT, baby, but like every other motorcycle, it's all manual. Like you gotta have that input. Um, what do you guys think of the like the Triumph T E1? Um, that concept. Like I was blown away a little bit by the about what they're trying to do with the battery technology and making it a a lot lighter stylistically, I love it. It's beautiful, oh, but it's I got a, I got a soft spot, soft spot for Triumph. Um, yeah. But what do y'all think?
2: I think uh, I think it's a very interesting concept. I like how um, you know all these um, industries are kind of coming together, trying to build this motorcycle, um, the battery technology, trying to pump it up. It's it's going to be a tough road to hoe honestly i i feel for them to be able to pull it off but if they do that's going to be the next step into getting more capable electric motorcycles it's kind of the next
0: plateau i think oh adam i thought you were going to say something i was gonna
1: oh i was just i think it's neat that they're partnering with the williams engineering firm to to do that thing you know i think that's kind of cool and it's always neat to see prototypes and, and, you know, it's cool to see what the manufacturers are thinking. You know, I always like, you know, like the Tokyo motor show and seeing the prototypes from that. And I, I always really get a kick out of the, of seeing the glimpse of what the manufacturer thinks the future is going to be.
0: What do you guys think about the, um, the kind of the consortium of, uh, the big Japanese brands kind of discussing, making battery technology, that's more swappable. Uh, and kind of universal amongst brands. It's a a
2: super solid move too, right? Um, Especially if you can make them hot swappable, you know, so you pull up to a a station and swap out your battery, kind of like they're doing in China with, um, I just blanked on the scooter company's name, but same thing. You, You basically pull your battery out of your scooter, walk into the station, drop it off, grab another one, put it in. Pay a monthly fee or you pay per per pack and it's awesome. That's yeah. really the only one of the only ways that I can see this working well because otherwise you have to wait on a charger.
0: Yeah, yeah the, like a gas station.
1: Yeah. The whole ahead battery ahead. thing segues back to what you were saying or your question with when is it gonna, what time frame do you think these vehicles are gonna be ready for, you know, mainstream, you know, US customers and that, that modular battery is like one step of getting there in addition to the, the the charging network and that kind of stuff. But that's definitely a step in the right direction.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's always the big argument amongst everyone, which is, is like, you have to really build up the infrastructure first before it becomes adoptable by uh, consumers entirely. Yeah. Next listener question uh, from the stunt lot. Uh, Would you guys consider doing the world poker run in August from Florida to Sturgis?
2: Huh. Uh, Sure. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Why not? Um, I would consider anything on a motorcycle. How about that?
1: There you go. Yeah. I like Florida. I like Sturgis. You know, why not? As long as we don't have to ride there nonstop, I think it'll be okay.
0: And as long as you can use that corporate card to play poker right at the end. <laughs> Dude, perfect. That, that would awesome. help. That would <laughs> help. Octa- <laughs> that Octane corporate lifestyle. <laughs> full, full factory life, baby. Uh, yep. Last last follower question would be uh, from Geekly. Uh, <laughs> can't even say that correctly. Uh, what bike are you guys looking most forward to riding this year? Wahid?
1: Uh, The bike I'm looking forward to most riding this year. Uh, Honestly, man, I don't really have a real particular genre that I'm really looking forward to or a favorite brand or a favorite anything. I just like operating all the vehicles. So, you know, I don't really have any preference to be honest with you. I know that kind of sounds crazy, but I just don't.
0: Forever the journalist. Always objective, baby. (laughs) does well no i I
1: like i like all kinds of motorcycles so it doesn't like i don't really have a favorite i just like them all variety is the spice of life for me so that's what i get a kick out of is you know like dirt bike season's done now it's you know summer jet ski sport bike street bike season and everything like life in southern california for a motorcyclist is very seasonal so that's kind of how i operate it's just what season is it and that's the kind of bike i'm gonna want to ride
0: Word. No, I completely, uh, I completely respect that answer. Dawes, is there anything on the horizon you think is um, caught your yeah. eye?
2: I'm really still looking forward to riding the Pan America. Um, one, I am looking forward to reporting on it and just giving people like an actual review of the bike and um, kind of helping everyone decide whether it's for them or not um, and whether it's good or not. That's Gonna be one of the probably the most important tests that I write this year is gonna be on that bike. There's gonna be a lot of eyes on it, so that's pretty exciting.
0: Are you gonna do a video? I'm gonna do a video, yes. I will do a video. <laughs> Still so I will stand,
2: I will stand in front of a camera and someone else will do a video. Right. And then someone else will edit it, edit it right. so that yes. I look halfway uh, confident when I'm speaking in front of the camera. Our our man, Bert, who does all our videos, is a a champion because he edits out a lot of so's and um's
0: and ah's. That is one of the most difficult things uh, to do on video. And it's even more of a nightmare as an editor. So big props to Bert and all the video editors out there who are listening. Uh, We love you and respect you. Let's switch gears to the final segment of our podcast, gentlemen. Uh, we're gonna do another round of rapid fire, this or that. So the fate of your reputations of as journalists is kind of on the line here. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Are you ready? No <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna. When I ask these questions, you have a second or two to respond. Typically, it kind of goes a little bit off the rails, which is fun and fine, because you know why would you be listening to a motorcycle podcast with opinionated folks if you're not here to say, uh, listen to what they say? So when I ask a question, Adam, I'm gonna have you answer first. And then Dawes, I'll have you answer second. And if there's some ribbing between the two of you, by all means, uh, you know, go for it. And if I find a little punchline, I will de- definitely punch you in the gut. So uh, the first question, after you publish an article, do you read the comments or do you avoid the comments at all cost?
1: costs? Uh, I, I try to stay engaged to the community and, and comment where I can. But honestly, if you are a comment warrior, you'd spend a good part of your day, you know, doing that. And then, you know, a lot of my job responsibilities rely on or are creating the content. So I try to monitor it a little bit and post a a thing here and there, but I'm, I'm not just fully engaged in all the time.
0: Waheed reads the comments. Dawes?
2: I read every single comment. And I take almost every single one of them to, to heart. unless you're a total idiot, and then I'm gonna tell you you're an idiot.
0: Good yeah. as so, as it should be. Uh, it should you be. Ri- Would you rather write an article or star in a video about a new motorcycle? One or the other?
1: Ah uh, honestly, you know, I really don't have much of a preference. Writing articles is fine, and being in the videos is fine. and you know, realistically, probably what's easier for me or what's less time consuming for me is being in a video. So I'd probably gravitate toward that. But writing's fine too. It's not terribly too time consuming either.
2: Cool. Dawes. Almost the same answer. Um, yeah, video I would probably pick first just because it's easier because Bert has to do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh writing is 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 great also. So um I mean, it's what we've chosen to do, and um, we do this because we love it, not because we get paid a ton of money. So, um, you know, it's ingrained in our life to do both. So, um, but video first, because it's easier.
0: Would you rather, <laughs> I was going to say, we all kind of have a face for radio. I'm speaking more <laughs> for myself. You boys, I have the shape for radio. Waheed with the hair and Dawes with the beard. I mean. I need a haircut, man. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> So good. We all do. Um, would you rather receive an assignment or write whatever it is that you want, like an op ed piece?
1: Uh, you know, honestly, I I just like test riding the bikes and going on assignment assignment. You know, the op ed thing is not something I've done in you know many years. Not saying I can't do it. I totally can. But, you know, just riding the bikes and reporting on that is just easier and more fun for me.
0: Mr. Dawes. So I, um,
2: it's good to have some direction. I mean, we know what our job is and what we need to do. Um, It's very, I wouldn't say few and far between, but it's more rare for me to write just a straight up op-ed about something. Um, I did it the other day because I got really angry about my favorite place in the world, Moab, um, on how they're everyone's making too much noise and the city's had enough and they're going to start passing laws to totally you know try to limit the the amount of uh off-road vehicles that are allowed on the street there and so i wrote an op-ed to be like hey a-holes don't ruin it for everybody self-police and so it it takes a lot for me to actually want to write like a straight up op-ed piece that doesn't have a point to reviewing a motorcycle i i mean we we we're best at reviewing motorcycles, so I would prefer to do that.
0: Well so cool. All right. If we're going to go to the lifestyle, those are, those are kind of like the journalist questions, both because you are high-level editors at publications. These are more lifestyle-oriented and can be kind of a little quicker in nature. Uh, if you are going to have a preferred track bike in your garage, it's the only one you can ride, is it going to be a middle weight? So let's say 600 to 800 cc or like a beastly leader bike like Panagale level and or super duke which one leader bike plus middleweight
1: i like the i always like the bigger bikes bigger whatever is faster is usually what i'm gonna like
2: guys um uh, middleweight i'm i like things that are easier to ride especially at the track um i'm not as talented as adam is on the racetrack so Give me a middle bite, middle weight every every freaking
0: time. <laughs> Why he likes it bigger and better and bolder? <laughs> um, if you were guys going, we're going to go pro. Uh, would you go the MotoGP route or would you go the flat track route?
1: MotoGP for sure, because it's just more <laughs> it's just more sick. Flat track yeah. too hillbilly, too many hot dogs. I want caviar, not hot
0: dogs. <laughs> I knew yes. that answer before I asked it, man. I've seen so many stories from Wahid who's like full factory life, baby. <laughs> he wants yeah. he wants champagne poured on him at the end of the day. Yes, please. <laughs> Does
2: man, I think actually I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna go just flat track because I'm too old to like really enjoy that moto gp lifestyle anymore to be honest
0: so, so so dawes wants a contract with coors banquet for them banquet showers
2: <laughs> yeah
0: uh, the he wants wants that uh, uh veuve clico let's get him <laughs> some champagne showers man
1: i've been uh, i've been watching drive to survive a lot you know the last uh, few nights so maybe that's just clouding my vision of champagne and caviar and and uh slapping
0: people with my white leather gloves you're not wrong he, you're really not like, I've, I am addicted to that show. I've watched it through and through a couple times and I'm waiting, I'm waiting for them to do a Moto GP version of it. Like that mm-hmm. has to happen. Um, I don't know if we got to petition Netflix to be like, Hey, can you guys, before Rossi gets too old? Cause he's hilarious. He's, on camera. Yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, and there's a lot of young bucks coming up in that. So you guys have a day off, right? Single track, swooping single trap awesome vistas or really challenge yourself with some hard enduro
1: uh it just depends on the season so if it rained it's always going to be hard enduro it doesn't matter what's going on you know but if it's dry we're not doing hard enduro we're going to do something else
0: let's think ideal conditions which would you have to prefer if you're like we're going to go do this or that which one you want to go do
1: if it was ideal conditions like perfect conditions i would do dirt biking
0: Okay, so single track for 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 heat, Dawes. If
1: it if it was like perfect conditions,
0: like perfect conditions, yeah, everything's yeah. perfect with this or that. It's one or the other. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. Um, whew. single track. It's it's
2: especially if it's a really really good dirt day. Yeah, single track for sure. I love hard enduro. I like I love you know I put on this like yearly ride that I invite just a handful of people to, that we call the Dawesburg Enduro, and it's you know. It's five six hours long, and we maybe go if we get into double digits in miles, we're lucky. Um, and that's one of my favorite things in the world to do. But I also like to rip single track really fast. So
0: I'm gonna I'm I'm preparing myself for the 2021 Dawsberg Enduro. I'm gonna Start get a team, out. 125. Yeah, no, I am, I am, and I'm, yeah, gonna, I'm gonna make get it out like 125. I'm gonna get a 125. No, I saw it all on you guys' stories, and I was like, I was like, I would have died. Like, I would have been the guy that would be like, "We're Sam? And he'd be lying in a gulp somewhere being like, I'm good, guys. Keep going. Yeah, we only had one broken foot this uh, year. Well, that's good. I mean, I got a rod in my leg now. That that leg is never breaking again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you guys, you guys are going on a long touring trip. Do you take external fuel cans or do you take an adventure, big, big adventure take instead, like a big GSA tank?
1: Oh, well, honestly, you know, just I if I'm going on a really long trip and I know that I might run out of gas, I will bring some some spare gas with me. You know, usually I just go, you know, the cheap route and just fill up fill up some water bottles and do it that way.
0: There you go. Go I'm
1: going
2: I'm going big tank. Um, Mm -hmm. Having been a desert racer when I was younger and having bottles of gasoline on your fanny pack, open up and pour all over your crotch. I don't I don't like external fuel. It's got to be inside the bike or
0: I don't want it. All right, and one one last question, boys. What's more gratifying? Adam, I'm going to hold you to this one. You got to pick one on the instinct, bro. Go with your gut, okay? Which is more gratifying? Wheelies, stoppies, or back in that ass in? <sighs> That's a really tough one, man. Jeez. Come on, heed. Which one, man? Pick one. <laughs> I like them all. <laughs> what? I like Who are them all, man. Last person we've had on this podcast to answer Jeez, these questions, I don't know. man. They're all sick.
1: I don't know, like. <laughs> I really don't know, man. You know I what? Guess. I'm
0: gonna choose. I'm gonna choose for you based on your Instagram. I'm gonna say wheelies, dude.
1: Wheelies are really fun, man. But so are nice <laughs> stoppies, you know, and so. You know, are backing in now. It's it's kind of hard to back it in with all the bikes with the ABS and all that uh, stuff. So, you know, theoretically, probably backing it in would be the most satisfi- satisfying. Right now, I think.
2: Dude, guys? I'm gonna go wheelies. There's um, nothing better than hanging a good wheelie, especially if like. You're passing like a school bus full of kids and <laughs> inside, you know, freaking out as you're going by on one wheel, crossed up looking at them. That's there's nothing better than that. Come on, there's people that can't appreciate backing a motorcycle in, in terms of outside of your world. Like, yeah, it feels really good, but someone that doesn't know what a motorcycle is all about and sees that they're just like, that guy's out of control. You do a wheelie, they're
0: they're excited to see it.
1: Well and done, I- Doss. I changed my mind. Dawes is right. I'm with him.
0: I got I, I gotta I gotta agree. I'm with Wheelies, man. I, I love it when I, I like I'm not great at wheelies, but man, when I can when I can catch it right and I can hold it and I'm good. I mean I can do it for the camera all day long, but it's it's more like how Steve Camrade does wheelies. He just kind of lifts it up for a second and drops it down. He can't hold a wheelie for anything. But like I can I can bring it up and hold the balance point for a little bit, but then I get freaked out and I'm like, I'm putting this down. Yeah, um, I think the asterisk
1: I, is you have to do it op,
0: op, op, uh, next to a, a yellow school bus. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be its own hashtag <laughs> <laughs> Wheel, wheelies by yellow bus. Um, All right, so that ends the rapid fire question game show uh, for this edition of the Reserve Tank. Uh, Guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up right here. Uh, Thank you so much, guys, for joining us for this episode of the Reserve Tank presented by Progressive. Just so everyone knows, the IMS or the Progressive International Motorcycle Shows has kind of shifted overall entirely, right? It's now the Progressive IMS Outdoors Series. We'll have a lot of the same stuff, but we're getting out of the convention center. We're going to have the Ultimate Builder Custom Bike Show. We'll have IMS Vintage, Adventure Out, but it's going to be more reimagined for the outdoors. I want everyone to think about kind of a music festival combined with motorcycling, combined with like an escape getaway or retreat. So you'll be able to demo motorcycles in every single market. We'll have off-road and on-road options per city or market. You're going to have to check and find out which cities is going to offer either both or an individual one or or the other. We'll have VIP areas, music shows, educational speakers, food trucks, camping, RV. You'll also be able to get introduced to halo industries, uh, which is a fancy industry term for like adjacent industries like overlanding, RVing, e-bikes. Uh, We're going to have a charged uh, section, which is called Charged by IMS, where you'll be able to check out the new, greatest, and latest electric e-bikes on the market. So we're seeing a lot of combination of industries starting to occur. Things used to be a lot more siloed, but IMS Outdoors is going to be a full bore power sports event with a little bit more. Uh, Go to MotorcycleShows.com to make sure that you're up to date with all of our tour dates and where we're going. Uh, Also, be sure to follow us on all of our social media channels, including motorcycle shows on Instagram. Uh, International Motorcycle Shows on Facebook and Motorcycle Shows on Twitter. Uh, We're also on YouTube, we're producing a ton of content. The Reserve Tank Podcast and the Center Stand Podcast with Robert Pandia, which is more business focused, is going to be up on our YouTube channel soon. So be sure to check those out. We've done a couple of episodes at this point. And IMS Rides inside the garage. We're going inside awesome garages, checking out people's really rare and amazing motorcycles. And just IMS Rides is a fun, Uh, full bore experience of motorcycling in and around the United States, focusing on people and riders and routes. Until next time, everyone, uh, we'll find you on the Reserve Tank podcast presented by Progressive yet again. Ride smart, ride safe, and we'll see you out there on the road.